Powerful, powerful, powerful. What a, what a time. We get all this in heaven too. I tell you, we ought to be shouting as bunch in all the world. Turn, if you would, to Philippians chapter 4. We've started a series, Overcoming Life's Obstacles. And all of these are found in the fourth chapter of the book of Philippians. I wish you'd just take time and just read it over and over again. It'll bless your heart. Uh, this morning, we look at verses uh, 6 and 7, and uh, they teach us not to be anxious. Be anxious not is what the Word of God says. Uh, and that's a word that we need today. We, we, we need that terribly today. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, and inerrant, all-sufficient word? Oh, I love saying that. Isn't that wonderful? Man, we've got the real word of God. He said in verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, Lord, let people not see me, but hear you. God, may uh, the sin that we brought into this building, may we confess it right now to you, get it out of the way, turn the devil out at the door and send him on his way. God, we want to hear from you and only you this morning. We want you to fill this place with the presence of your Holy Spirit. We already sense that you're here and that you're moving. God, I pray it'll be a day that many will never forget. Their lives that came in hurting and troubled and lost, and they leave here rejoicing that the Lord Jesus Christ has saved them and redeemed them from all of their iniquity and sin. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless this time now in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The Bible tells us that we're to be anxious for nothing. That means that we're to live by faith. Uh, worry does not mean living without reasoning. It doesn't mean ignoring reality. It doesn't mean being indifferent. When we say and obey this command that he gives us in these two verses, what we do is we bring the Lord into our life. We bring the Lord into our circumstances. When we begin to pray, uh, I, it, worry accomplishes nothing, not a thing. I know people worry. I, I'm, I, you know, and we get spiritual. We say, I'm not worried, preacher. I'm just concerned. Uh, I know we're concerned and been there, done that. Uh, but I want to tell you, worry accomplishes nothing. You can stay up all night and worry. It won't change a thing in the world by in the morning. So go and get some rest. Heard about that old man that went to the county fair. He'd never been. He was in his uh, late 70s, and he thought, I, I'm going to go to the county fair. He went, and he looked at all of those lights and all those games and those, oh, my, I can't talk about those uh, uh, desserts and all that. But anyway, he looked at all that and said, wow, this is something. And he got on the carousel. He saw this carousel running around, around so he got on the carousel, never ridden a carousel. He got on that horse, got his ticket, got on that horse, rode around that thing. He was having the time of his life. And something they asked him when he got off, he said, well, how was it? He said, well, you know, I really can't tell. He said, I got off on the same place I got in, and I didn't go nowhere. Uh, that's kind of what worry does. You get off exactly where you got in, and it ain't going to go nowhere. It's not going to go anywhere whatsoever. Now, the good news is God shows us a solution to worry in chapter 4. 
It's a committee. In fact, I'll tell you what it is if you won't go to sleep now before the sermon's over. Uh, and if you do, why punch him, would you please? Uh, here's the deal. The, the uh, remedy for worry, number one is pray, plus praise equals peace. Pray plus praise equals peace. And we find that here in these two scriptures. First of all, prayer. Verse 6 says again, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving let your request be made known unto God. This word here in the Greek is a general word. It deals with all kinds of prayer. It talks about devotions. It talks about adoration. It talks about intercession. Uh, the disciples came. Remember, they, uh, I, I would have loved to have been there. Three years, they walked with him. We never have any uh, uh, scriptures saying that anybody ever put no money in the, in the sack. It never was. You know, they never took up an offering. It never was in the sack. And yet any time they ever need anything, it was always in the sack. Wasn't that something? I mean, you, you go home today and you ain't got a care in the world because all you got to do is reach in that sack. Now, the problem with most of our sacks, we, they've grown with the mold and all, and they've, they've bottomed out, and everything's going out the bottom. Uh, but wouldn't that have been nice? When the disciples came and they said, Lord, teach us, they said, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. Now, in, in uh, uh, that we call it the Lord's Prayer. It's actually the model prayer. Uh, Jesus is praying it there. But he's, he's praying. It's a, it's a worship, intercession, and spiritual warfare prayer. All three of those are in here. Prayer is nothing more or nothing less than a conversation with God. You say, preacher, I can't pray. Oh, yeah, you can. You just talk with the Lord, just like you was talking with your wife or your best friend or whatever. You just tell the Lord what's on your heart. You say, I, I don't have any of them big words. He'll probably appreciate that. I'm sure he gets tired of hearing some Pharisees praying all them big words. So don't worry about them big words at all. Just say what's on your heart. That's all you got to do. And God listens. Uh, in speaking and listening and, and seeking, there is nothing that is too little to pray for. No subject, no need. And then he says, uses the word supplication. It's an intensive, specific request. Specifically, I'm praying for this. You know, we, we don't like to pray those prayers. Number one, if we pray them and they don't come true, we think, hmm, I'm nothing. So we don't like to pray. We'd rather say, Lord, just fill this church up. We, we don't want to get specifically and say who needs to be saved. Oh, that might hurt their feelings. That might, listen, if you're here this morning, lost without Jesus, if I thought if I hurt your feelings, you'd come get saved, I'd, oh, I'd preach on you right now. But you've got to be drawn by the Holy Spirit to get saved. And so the everyday concerns we've got, he said, give us this day our daily bread. I think he's talking about our bills, our finances, our relationships, our where we're going, our calendar, what we're going to be doing. We're praying also to be spiritually blessed. And we need to pray even for physical and healing health, a healthy uh, protection there. Because the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against principalities. We're, let, we're, we're wrestling against demonic warfare in the air and all around us. We're wrestling from that. The devil can't do anything with your soul once you get saved. Uh, you say, preacher, I don't know. I think maybe you can get unsaved. I, uh, for the Lord, to, for the devil to come in and get you unsaved. 
He's going to have to walk across Jesus Christ and take his hands off of us. Because the Bible says that when we get saved, we're saved to the day of redemption. Amen? So you can be saved and still be backslidden. But take our concerns. Uh, uh, the weapons. Uh, he can't take our salvation, but boy, he can sure make us miserable, can he? I mean, he can just dance on us every... Uh, and then we say, well, the, what you got to do is put on the armor of God. And that's exactly what we need to do out of Ephesians 6. We need to put on the armor of God. But many preachers stop at verse 17 in Ephesians 6. Uh, they don't go to verse 18. They say, well, the last armor you put on is that sword. That's in verse 17. I beg to differ with you. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 18... Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. I, I'm telling you this you can get masked up with all the armor of God you want to. But if you ain't got the Lord Jesus Christ here, you can get whipped. That armor is just going to fall down quicker. That's all he's going to do. You've got to be connected in with the Holy Spirit of God. It, it must be. Pray for our health. Boy, that. We're under attack today. Young people, I, I don't know what to tell y'all. I really don't. Uh, the things that we used to just take a couple aspirin for and get up in the morning, uh, man, it's turned into full-blown. You need ER. You need uh, all these tests. And you need, I mean, you just need everything. You're just a weak people. You know, you're miserable. You're healthy. You're overweight. You know, all that is a personal opinion. Huh? Who, who says I'm overweight? I want to tell you, the good Lord made me the way he did. Amen? <laughs> oh, I'm being a little facetious. Not much, but a little bit. Um, standing in faith, though, doesn't mean we, things that, we do things that are irrational or just outright stupid or crazy. Uh, but the problem is, we've got weapons against all this stuff that we don't ever use. We've never taken the weapons out of our holster to use them. And I'm telling you this morning, that, that when the doctors come in and say, hey, we've done all we can do, it's been surgery, we've gone medicine, we've had rehab, there's, there's not anything else we can do. You as a child of God can stand up and say, there's one more thing we can do. There's somebody in this room you didn't know about and I'm telling you, we can leave it to the Lord and he can heal divinely. It may be the physician, the medicine. God uses all those things. He uses surgery. He uses rehab. Don't tell anybody, he uses diets every once in a while. Not very often. You to hear that? You don't need a diet, Jerry. I'm telling you, Lord have mercy. These people, mm, you, uh, I told uh, the early service this morning. I, I was up early this morning praying over this and all. And God reminded me of back when I was growing up in the 60s. We only had one television station, Channel 9 out of Lufkin. That was all we had. Didn't have nothing else. But we watched every old war movie and every Western, you know, shoot them up and all that. And I realized this morning that God was preparing me during those movies of shooting and enemies and all that to become a Baptist pastor. It's, it's probably the greatest asset I've got. 
uh, to pastor a Baptist church. <laughs> oh, have mercy. Here's the bottom line. Lord going to heal us here or he's going to heal us there. And for the child of God, my, my, my. We, you know, the, the hoppers have a song out. If you knew, uh, I can't remember the words now. If you knew what it was like up there, you'd never want to stay there or something like that. Boy, if we could just get a touch of heaven. Man, it's a wonderful place. You remember the woman with the issue of blood and in 14 years she had spent every dime she had and uh, you know, she's pale and, and very weak. She got sicker and sicker and got just, just worse and worse. And one day she heard that a man named Jesus was gonna come through town and she had heard of the, his, his healing power and she thought, I, I'm going to do everything I can to get to Jesus. Now, she's pale. She's weak. Fourteen years she's had this issue of blood. I don't know how it all happened, but I, I think, man, there's 300, 400 people, maybe more than that, all around, crowded in there. And here this little old weak woman is trying to weave her way in and out of that crowd to get to where Jesus was. And I think probably some big old boys just kind of stood right there and blocked her. Not on purpose, but, I mean, there's hundreds of people there. And I think as she saw him walking off, she just lunged forward and just said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. In the Greek, the hem of his garment literally was the lace that went on the bottom of the outer robe. She just got a hold of the lace. Could you imagine what happened this morning if we got a hold of Jesus? I mean, she just got a hold of the lace. And immediately Jesus stopped and he turned and he said, somebody touched me. His disciples said, Lord, everybody's touching everybody here. You know, we're crammed in like sardines. And she said, no, it was me. And Jesus knew it was her. And, uh, boy, I want to tell you, the Word of God tells us, ask and we shall receive, seek and ye shall find. I'm not preaching prosperity gospel this morning. I'm just preaching the Word of God. I'm telling you, when you pray according to the will of God, you will have your petitions heard by God. That is what the Word of God says. So uh, there are no hopeless situations with the Lord. There are no problems that God can't handle. Some of you came in here loaded down with problems and worry and concern. Listen, God has you here in this place today to hear this very message, to hear this very thing, to hear what the solution to your life's problems are all about. God has got you here. You say, well, I believe in luck and chance. I don't. I don't, man, I don't believe in luck. I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe God is real. And we need to reach out in faith and touch the hem of his garment again and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and believe God can still do a miracle today. I, I, I think sometimes we're scared to specifically pray. Uh, we, we're going to be praying for Brother John Ramey in just a little while. We're going in the prayer room, our deacons and all, and we're going to anoint him with oil and pray. You say, ah, the Baptist church does that? Uh, the Bible church does. And we're a little bit more Bible than we are Baptist right now. It could go either way, but right now it's more Bible. You say, well, I, I didn't ever hear whether that was good. Oh, let me tell you, folk are scared to do that because what if God don't heal him? I've already said God's going to heal me to here or there. Now we're praying here and we're believing here. Do you really believe God can do miracles? Well, we walk around all week like he's dead at 4 o'clock. I'm telling you, God is a great God. He can do miracles. And we get to him by praying. We need to pray 
uh, as I mentioned, but we also need to pray for spiritual awakening. Spiritual awakening in this country we live in. And I can just leave it there. I don't want to get on a tear. I just, I just shake my head. I don't know whether we've ever been at such a place in our whole lives that we are right now. And in our world, my goodness. Mm. Then our city, oh man, East Texas, and then our church. Well, we need to pray for spiritual awakening in our church. L listen to me, guys. What's holding us back from spiritual awakening is not out there in the world. It's sitting in here in the church. That would have been a good place to say, I owe me. <laughs> hey, you, you know why we don't have spiritual awakening? I'm preaching to myself because we got husbands that are not spiritually awake. We got wives that are not spiritually awake. We've got daddies that are not spiritually awake. We've got mothers that are not spiritually awake. We've got grandfathers, they're not spiritually awake. We've got grandmothers that are not spiritually awake. And we can't expect a generation. Listen, when we get connected up with the Holy Ghost of God, that's going to flow like rivers out of us, and that's going to put over in this neighborhood, and it's going to change this whole area. But it's not going to come from outside the church. It's going to come from inside the church. These gurus who say there's no reason for the church being alive today, there's no reason to have one. The only reason we need one right now is he, God is the only one who can get us out of what we're in right now. I saw in Revelation, reading there in one of the churches, had grown cold. What'd they need? They needed a spiritual awakening. I saw one of the churches in Revelation that was dead. They had a reputation they were alive, but they were dead. What'd they need? They need spiritual awakening. I saw in Revelation a church that had lost its first love. what they need? Spiritual awakening. Mm. It can't only happen to churches. It can also happen to individuals. We get cold. We get lethargic. We got apathetic. We, we claim here at this church that Evangelism is the most important thing we do. And if we push everything we can do, out of 900 that will be in services today, we'll get about mm, 15 tonight to go out evangelizing. But it's the best thing we do. I mean, it's what God told us to do. Preacher, we're doing it. We, we, we've made it so easy that we can't even do it. Out of this entire congregation, I asked last week, to dedicate four hours over the next four months. I, I, I want to tell you, we're right. We're why we don't have spiritual awakening. We're why. Now, y'all just forgive me because I'm I'm gonna meddle and you're not gonna like it, but and and some of you caregivers and, and all that we've got here, I thank God for you. But I hear this over and over again, and I don't mean to be mean, but when people say, well, I've been traumatized, I've been hurt, I've been wounded, well, get a ticket and get in line. <laughs> who, who in this building has not been traumatized? Who in this building has not gone through valleys and had to climb up the mountains? Who in this valley has never been wounded 
maybe by a dear friend or maybe it's by someone who, hey, we're all in there. I'm just saying I'm not going to live my life under the circumstances down in the mully grubs. I'm going to raise up Gypsy Smith. Every revival would take a piece of chalk and he'd draw a circle right there. And then he'd step in it. He'd say, Lord, send a revival. Let it begin in this circle right here. You see, when I talk about spiritual awakening, some of you are already saying, I wish old so-and-so was here. He could use this right now. I'm going to video this. I'm going to give it to him. He's going to need it. No, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. Have mercy. Lord, send a revival. Not just any revival. I don't mean a revival meeting. I mean a revival. One of those Holy Ghost spiritual sin-killing devil-hating meetings when we start to mourn and and I, i've been i've been working on a sermon i just hadn't figured out when you know when it's going to come to fruition and and the name of the sermon is what happened to the tears man some of us remember those old days where folks were crying and wailing not it, just because they had lost relatives or lost friends they wanted them to be saved. Now we walk by people all the time and we don't even engage them. We don't even know. Well, we don't need to just pray for a spiritual awakening. We need to pray for the lost. Pray for the lost. Our sons, our daughters, our grandson, our granddaughter. You say, preacher, I've tried that. How can we help them? You can pray. You can pray. Uh, remember in Jeremiah... He said, you're going to have to plow up this fallow ground here. How do you plow up that fallow, uh, fallow ground? You pray. You pray. Remember, God's everywhere all the time. He's a great God. Amen? Yeah. I'm going to say amen if I have to go down there to that front seat, sit down and holler at myself. <laughs> Paul said, someone planted, someone watered. How do you do it? You plant the seeds. I'll be honest, we can just tell you the truth. If you're here and you've got a young person that's 19, 20, 21, 22, I, I wouldn't waste a lot of time talking. I'd spend more time praying because you're not going to change them. Only thing going to change them is the Holy Spirit of God. And when you get connected to the Holy Spirit of God, he'll answer your prayer and he'll make it mm, for lost people. I mean, you know, I'm talking about calling them by name. This person's lost, Lord. They need to be saved. And I, I want you, Lord, to put the squeeze on them. Lord, I, I want you to get in their dreams. I mean, every waking moment they got, I pray you'll send something to remind them of Jesus on the cross, wanting to die for their sin. 1 John 5, 14 said, This is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. Now, there's some things you may pray about that you're not sure if God's in favor of or not. But I'm telling you, somebody being lost, God's in favor of them being saved. It was Peter that said, God's not willing that any should perish, but all, A-L-L, all, should come to repentance. That's all of us. Last time I looked, that's still all of us. And we all agree that all of us have to come. We, we've got a decision to make. And, and we all agree that 
What we do today sets us up for eternity. I said a while ago, eternity is going to be here or it's going to be there. What you do today sets you up to find out where you're going to be there on that day. Jesus died for the whole world. He shed his blood and, and he, he prays for his kingdom to come. Now that, that really is a, a future event. We know the kingdom of God has not come yet. It's not here yet. That's a future event, okay? But it's also a present event. It's future because we're waiting on the rapture to come. One of these days, nobody's going to know about it. There's not going to be any horn go off in downtown Longview. You're not going to hear no speakers or nothing. It's just like that. Those who are saved are going to be caught out of here. Gone. Forever. You say, well, man, that, that, that's kind of tough. It's hard to explain. No, it's not hard to explain. There's no goal. You don't get $200. You don't get another chance. There's no purgatory. There's no paradise. There's no holding tank. You are saved here determines where you spend eternity. That's just the truth. It's out of the Word of God. And you determine that you're going to pray for that lost person if it means until the day the rapture comes for you or the day that God calls you home, I'm going to use my last breath praying for that lost person. Let me give you this thing. We, we need to bring our needs to the Lord also. Be careful, not, but in everything. You, you remember in, in Luke 18, there's a story. Two men. One is a publican, and he's over there, and he's, he's just praising the Lord. Lord, I've tied. I've helped others. I'm standing here. I'm a righteous man before you. And then on this other side, there's an old poor publican. Is beating his chest, won't even lift up his head, say, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy. See, when he said, Lord, have mercy, it kicked in a whole new generator. He done got hooked up with the Lord. He done got hooked up with his heavenly Father. He done got hooked up to the resources that are not only available in the future, they're available right now. Right now. When I bring my request to God, it does two things. It recognizes God is supreme. He is supreme. You may think you're living your life and God don't have anything to do with you and you're, not, you're just wrong. I'm telling you, it'll come back to haunt you. Your decision needs to be to stand for Christ today, to raise your children for Christ today. Some young people say, well, my daddy and my mother, they didn't do what they ought to have done. None of us ever do what we ought to have done. But I tell you what, you can make a better example than your mama or daddy if you want to. No reason why you can't break the cycle. Let me give you the same thing. Remember, prayer plus praise equals peace. Praise. Now, when you talk about praise... Baptists get a little allergic. We're kind of uptight on praise. <laughs> I mean, when you begin to praise the Lord, uh, uh, it's not, not very audible in a Baptist church. So we don't want to be thrown out. Uh, and God help us if somebody gets happy and starts raising their hands. Uh, you know, I heard about that man that went to church and 
He's visiting, but he went into the first Baptist church. It's what in East Texas we call one of them highfalutin churches. And it's that old preacher got down on the blood of Jesus, and that old boy shouted, Amen! Everybody in that old place just went straight, blank. Preacher lost his place in the sermon. He's, he's, when a deacon got over there and said, you got to hush. Hush. He walked on back, and man, it, he got on preaching again. And this time, he raised his hand and shouted, Hallelujah! Deacon came back over there and said, Man, I told you, you got to hush. He said, I can't hush. He said, Why? He said, Because I got religion. And that old deacon said, Well, you didn't get it here. Shut up. <laughs> Let me just clarify something to you that you may not understand. There is nothing wrong in this place. You've got the freedom to lift your hands. You've got the freedom to clap. You've got the freedom to shout hallelujah. You've you got freedom. But now listen to me. You've also got the freedom not to shout. You've got the freedom not to lift your hands. Yeah, that's because worship is not between Woodland Hills and God. Worship is between me and God. And when God's speaking you to do something, if he tells you to lift your hand and you don't do it, you're quenching the Holy Spirit of God. I didn't say that. That's what the Word of God says. Now, our praise confesses the confidence in God and then the gratitude and then the surrender. Look at the content just real quickly, and I'm almost through. The content. Praise him for the opportunity to speak to us. He didn't have to talk to us. He don't have to answer our prayer. He could have had the rocks cry out. I, I think about the children of Israel. They finally are getting out of Egypt. They're there at the Red Sea. The Egyptian army's closing in on the backside of them. There's two mountains on the side. There's, there's nowhere for them to go. I don't know what it is. We're, going to, we're all going to die. We're going to die. We're going to be killed. They brought us out here just to massacre. We're all going to die. Suddenly God opens up the Red Sea and they walk right on through on dry ground. And the entire Egyptian army is destroyed. Well, they get on the other side and they said, oh my goodness, we don't have no food. We're going to die. We're going to starve to death right out here. We're going to die. We're going to die. And all of a sudden God sent manna down from heaven and filled their stomachs. Oh, no, the water we've got is sire. It's bitter. It's no good. We're going to die. You've got to have water to live. We're going to die. We're going to die. God says, take that stick and throw it in the water. It became sweet. Oh, God, there's no water at all now. The creek's dry. Everything's dry. We're going to die. You can't live without water. We're going to die. God says, tap that rock over there and watch that water come out of that rock. Uh, what I'm telling you here is that there's nothing too big or too little for God to do. Now, I'm just telling you, you've got to be in his will. If you're not in his will, that negates everything I've said this morning. You've got to be in his will. You can't roam around with unconfessed sin in your life. Not and be a, a walker with God. Not going to happen. There's consequences of praises. When you begin to lift him up, you don't even notice it. But when you begin to pray and you begin to praise Suddenly those worries just slip out of, and you don't even notice it because you're too loaded up on Jesus. 
you're right there with Jesus the whole time. Let me give you this last thing. Peace. Prayer, praise equals peace. Mm. Verse 7, the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Hey, this is not some man-made peace. This is not some shallow peace. It's not some temporary emotion or something. It's real peace. You can't have the peace of God unless you have the peace with God. When you get the peace with God and your heart's in tune with Him, then you can have the peace of God. It's all yours anyway, God. Everything I have belongs to you. Everything I've ever been able to accomplish, it was because of you. Many have the peace of God, but they've never had the peace with God. And it says it passeth all understanding. Verse 7. Passeth all. Why can't people understand that? Well, because they're living in darkness. And when you're living in darkness, you don't have the ability to interpret the Word of God through the Holy Spirit. So they're living in darkness. You see, when I pray, and then when I praise, suddenly my focus begins to get on Jesus, and I'm more concerned with my walk with Him and having a great time in the Lord and all that than I am with my anxieties or I am with my worries. They just kind of fade away. They fade away. I, I can't explain it. And listen to me, it don't mean I can't experience it. I might not can explain it. I don't think if I could, you probably wouldn't be able to understand it anyway. But I'm telling you, we can experience it whether we understand it or not. I don't understand electric. I've, I've ruined two good screwdrivers in my life. Stuck them in the wrong place and melted them right. Thank God for plastic handles on screwdrivers. I don't understand electric, but I sure do like it when these lights come on. Have no idea how it comes. You tell me a little wire gonna come in here and do all of this? I have no idea. You see, the peace of God, a peace of God. The Bible says, guard your mind and emotions. Shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You say, why is that so important? Well, because the devil, he can't do anything about your salvation, so he's going to make you as miserable as you can. You know his favorite tool is to dig up something in the past. Yep. You younger couples that are here, I could give you, I'll give you some advice. Just don't argue with each other. Go in a separate room and close the door and pray till you get right. You know what you do? I, I know how younger people are because I used to be one of them. And I, I'm going to say this, and every one of you are going to agree. You're going to say, that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. You got this argument about something in the checkbook, and you, you've done going through, I mean, it's already been a fight. You, you, you've declared victory. She's declared victory. Everybody's moving on happy on. Amen? Until another 30 days and an argument comes up. Now, I don't know whether it be him or whether it be her, but they'll drag that 30-day checkbook up too. They'll say, this is what you did 30 days ago. Well, I thought we were forgiven of that. Oh, no, I haven't forgotten that. See, God, when, when we confess our sin, he separates as far as the east is from the west. We'll never remember it. He'll never remember it again. The devil loves to drag up your old past. He'll say, man, you ain't got no business even sitting in church, let alone being a teacher, 
let alone singing in the choir. You don't have your business doing any of that. None. The devil sit there and he'll do everything he can. You aren't any good. You don't need to be doing this. He always drags up somebody as wicked and sinful as you. But then, Jesus takes us back to a day when we were on the road to destruction and we knew that we were living in sin and rebellion against God and something drew us. We, we came face to face and realized that we were separated from God. God's over here. We're over here. There's no way to get to God. And then we realized that God provided a way through Jesus Christ. One day, one day, somebody stepped in. Hmm, I said, one day, somebody stepped in. That was Jesus. He stepped in. He went to the cross for us. He bled on Calvary for us. He substituted himself for us to satisfy the wrath of God. Then he was placed in a borrowed tomb, and he rose again that third day. Hallelujah. I, I, I'm so glad that he gives us the action here followed by the application. A lot of us can know the mind sense of praying and the mind sense of peace, of prayer, of praise. But when you put praying and praise together, it suddenly equals peace. It equals peace. In the World War II, there was a time there, I'm not sure exactly where it was two years or three years, something like that, that Churchill in England took on everybody by themselves. The United States didn't want to get involved. Nobody else wants to get involved. And uh, there was a time when Churchill in England took the brunt of everything. Someone asked Churchill one day, with all your tremendous responsibilities, how do you keep from worrying yourself to death? And he said this, I'm too busy. I don't have time to worry. You say now, <laughs> busy, are you trying to tell us to get more involved in church? No, I'm trying to tell you to get busy praying. If half the people in this room spent one hour, just one hour this week, calling on God, confessing our sin, humbling ourselves before him. If just half the people in this congregation did that this week, it'd be a new day next Sunday when we got here. We need to get busy praying, and we need to get busy praising the Lord. Now, I'll be honest with you, too. It is easy to praise the Lord here. I've been in some churches where it was like pulling teeth to get anything out of the piano or the organ or the choir or anything. If you can go through a service here week after week after week and you don't have a little umption to jump up and down every once in a while and praise the Lord, you really need to check your physical. You need, something wrong with you. Something wrong with you. If we was at a church that there was five people, I've seen these big choirs with five people in them. Hey, that's not here. God has provided us a place his hand is the one that's providing it, not us. But I'm telling you, we have a great opportunity. We need to get busy praying. We need to get busy praising the Lord. And when that happens, we're going to have peace. And when we have peace, that's going to overflow in us. And that's what's going to change the community around us. It's not going to be by us uh, shouting out there in the outfield. It's not going to be by us carrying posters and all that. 
I have no problem with all that. I, I don't, I, I'm fine with it. But I'm just saying, it's kind of like uh, prayer in school. Everybody, ah, we need to have prayer in school. We need to have prayer in school. Well, we do in our school. But let me ask you this. I've asked people and they just shake their head, bow their head. We can't pray in school. Now, some of that's been blown up. Sometimes you can. People say, well, we can't pray in school. We need to be able to pray in school. And I ask them one simple question. You can't pray in school, but you can pray at home. Does your family pray together at home? Mm. So you're telling me that it's more important that our kids pray in school than it is to pray in your own home with the daddy and mama. Come on, folks. We need to get busy praying and praising and the peace that passeth all understanding will show itself to us. Lord, I'm thankful today you give me the blessing to pastor this great church. I'm thankful for each one of these members here, Lord. Those who are our guests today, visiting. Lord, I'm thankful most of all, though, that the power of your Holy Spirit is here. And I pray, Lord Jesus, maybe there's somebody today that's lost and they would need to hear exactly what Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3. You must be born again. You must be born again. Oh, God, help them to determine that today being born again is what's going to put them in eternity for all of eternity being saved. God, thank you again for the power of your Holy Spirit. Now, Lord, could we just uh, bow ourselves, humble ourselves, and seek your face. Lord, what do you want me to do today? What would you have me do today? And then, Lord, get up and get busy. Start praying. Start praising. And experience the peace of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand together? Brother Case is here. I'm here at the front. Would you come as they begin to sing? Don't wait on anyone else. There is a
Sing that last verse. Sing it, church. I love this. Here, since by faith I saw. 